Yo, what is good? This is Bring the Noise Podcast with Straight the Clipper, and we are in the house with another episode. And yo, on this episode, I'm very excited, and I know I always say I'm excited because I am. I'm an excited type of guy. But today, we are going to do an artist review of the group Third Base. Now, Third Base... What can I say about third base and how they've influenced me? First off, third base is a trio. There's three members. You got MC Search, you got Prime Minister Pete Nice, and you got DJ Daddy Rich. Now, why are they so influenced? How have they influenced me? First off, Prime Minister Pete Nice and MC Search are white boys just like myself right but they are one of the first white rappers that were universally accepted by the hip-hop community not only because their skills were dope but they had paid their dues and proven themselves to be an incredible group and incredible artists and Though they didn't exactly have the longest career as a group and they didn't have many albums, they only had two, but they left a footprint on hip-hop that is, uh, it still is here to this day and have influenced many MCs and brought many MCs to the forefront, whether you know it or not. Third Base is definitely a group that gets forgotten about sometimes, but um, they are incredibly influential in a lot of people's, um, a lot of MCs' careers, so to a lot of people. Eminem has even cited that MC Search and Pete Nice were, you know, influential to him coming up because he said the same thing seen two white boys rap and not only were they good this wasn't like you know vanilla ice was never really accepted by a lot of the hip-hop community they viewed him as a culture vulture that you know was just trying to steal black music but third base was universally accepted not only by the african-american community but in hip-hop in general. So, without further ado, the way I'm going to break this down, okay? I'm going to start with each one of them individually. So we'll go through MC Search, we'll go through Pete Nice, and we'll go through Daddy Rich, and kind of how they came up and then eventually became a group, and then we'll run through the career of Third Base as a group. And, um, yeah, I didn't want to take too much time here at the beginning talking about you know how awesome third base is because you're gonna hear throughout this episode how awesome third base is so without further ado we're gonna start with mc search now mc search was born in far rockaway queens right 
He was part of the Jewish community. So not only was a was he a white rapper, but he was a white Jewish rapper, which in the 80s, uh, that was not only were white rappers unheard of, basically, um, especially being a Jewish man, that was completely unheard of. So, yes, Beastie Boys came out before third base, right? Everybody knows the Beastie Boys, but traditionally, Beastie Boys were always kind of a mixture of punk rock and hip-hop. Not that they weren't hip-hop, but it was always a mixture. Third base, to me, and it's been said by a lot of other um, people that have done things on third base, third base is considered one of the first traditional white hip-hop artists, meaning that they didn't have, and I don't even want to say Beastie Boys was a gimmick, but, you know, they were full hip-hop. They didn't have, they weren't punk rock, they weren't, they were straight hip-hop. You go listen to Third Base, and their lyrics are on par with some of the greats from that time. That's how good both these guys were. And DJ Daddy Rich was maybe one of the best DJs ever. I mean, we're talking about during a time when most people just scratch. Daddy Rich was one of the first people to start scratching behind his back, spinning around, you know, doing tricks. Like, so there's a lot of things with this group that have went under the radar that, I mean, how influential they really were. But anyway, back to MC Search. He was from Far Rockaway, Queens. He grew up in a Jewish community. Um, And coming up, Search was originally a solo artist, right? So he was going to school and he was heavily influenced by the Kangol crew, right? The Kangol crew was what would eventually be um, Slick Rick, Dougie Fresh, Dana Dane, and others, but obviously the big names that came out of this group was Slick Rick, Dana Dane, and Dougie Fresh. So, um, Search basically had been listening to tapes of the Kangol crew, and when he started going to school, he eventually realized when he was going to lunch, he saw these guys banging on the table and kind of you know, doing the songs that he had heard on tape. And he thought they were just doing lyrics. He even said to a guy sitting next to him, he's like, oh, these guys know the Kangol crew lyrics. And he said the guy looks at him and says, white boy, that is the Kangol crew. So Search said right then and there is when he started to realize, oh, okay, I go to school with these same guys that are making tapes that are flooding the streets of New York. I can do this too. And so Search embarked on a solo career in around the mid-80s, I want to say, around 85, he said. And Search has done many interviews, doing research for this episode. I watched many interviews with MC Search. He is a prolific storyteller, and he's got stories for days. Now, whether they're true or not, that is always debated because... Lots of people have said that Search kind of fibs sometimes, but nonetheless, there are elements of the things he says, the parts that are definitely true and have, you know, basically been confirmed by other people that were around him during the time. So, Search was, at one point, 
he was being managed by a person named Grand Wizard Tony D. Grand Wizard Tony D was in a group called the Bad Boys. They had had a couple songs, Inspector Gadget, another song called Veronica, and he was also um, messing with a female beatboxer named K Love. So he was recording demos, and other than that, he was making a name for himself being a battle MC. So he said most of the time, what he was always told, you know, you got to remember this is the 80s. Hip hop is definitely an African American art form music. So in the 80s, when it's in its early, you know, infancy, um, he was basically told, no, you can't record. You can't do this because you're you're white. And so Search was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to do this battle stuff. I'm just going to battle rap. And so Search would go around the city of New York, you know, whether it was Bronx, Brooklyn, wherever, and he would battle. And he started making a name for himself because during this time, and Search has said this before, uh, a lot of MCs would come to a battle with written stuff. They would already have stuff pre-written. And Search said to make himself stand out, he wanted to do freestyle. So he would completely freestyle battle against whoever he was going against. And it worked. He was winning battles. He was starting to make a name for himself. So as he was gaining some traction, he had secured a a record deal. And it, it was with a very small label. And he had released two singles. He had a song called... Hey Boy, and another song called Melissa. And this was around 85, 86 in that era, um, in that time frame, I mean. So around this time, he's trying to shop these demos to get a bigger record deal, right? And it eventually, around this time, he's still hitting clubs. So one of the biggest hip-hop clubs at the time was a place called the Latin Quarters, right? And the Latin Quarters is... I mean, you look up, just look up the history of the Latin Quarter and you will see how many MCs made a name for themselves in the, at this club. And unfortunately, it's no longer there and it does not exist, but it is a hip hop staple. You've heard Nas say rooftop like we're bringing 88 back. Well, that means the rooftop at Latin Quarters. You know, that's what they're talking about. And that's where, at this time, Search had friends, people that he was with. So Tony D obviously was one of those. And a guy named Sam Sever was another friend of his. Now, Sam Sever was a producer. He was the one that was producing MC Search's uh, solo. He was producing beats for him, trying to get him a deal. Eventually, this led to him meeting Pete Nice. So they had actually met each other in around 86 because they would go to the same hip hop clubs, but that was it. You know, they'd get introduced. Hey, this is Pete. This is Search. That was that was it. That was all it was. They didn't form the group until much later but they were acquaintances they knew of each other basically and because they had friends that were they had the same friends even though they didn't hang out they had similar acquaintances basically so on that note 
that leads me to now switch over to Pete Nice and kind of how Pete Nice got started. And it's kind of similar. So Pete Nice, he was born in Brooklyn, Greenpoint, Brooklyn, right? So he was kind of doing the same thing. At this time, Pete Nice was part of a rap group called Sin Quan Nan, right? It was with his friends Buddha B, Kib Wee K, and Fresh Fred. Now it was through Kib Wee K, his father, it was through Kib Wee K's father that Pete was introduced to Lumumba Carson. Now Lumumba Carson, also known as Professor X the Overseer from X-Clan, right? Now he was the manager of this group, Professor X was. Now in 85, this group split up and Professor X continued to manage Pete Nice. He saw something there. He knew he said, hey, this, you know, this white boy's got skill, right? He saw the potential there. So for the next few years, he was managed by Professor X, Pete Nice was. And during this time, Pete was introduced to a graffiti artist named Lord Scotch, right? A.K.A. Blake Litham. Now, Lord Scotch also knew MC Search. So this is where you start to get similar friends that are, you know, talking to each other. And around this time, also, Dante Ross was introduced to Pete Nice, who was also roommates with Sam Sever at one point in time. So now you're starting to see how this is all kind of coming together, right? Now, Pete Nice... Now, oh, by the way, so Dante Ross ended up being the road manager for third base. And Sam Sever is the one who pretty much produced most of the Cactus album. So, anyway, let's keep going with Pete Nice. After the last group had broke up, the Sin Qua Non, he had, Pete Nice had made another group. And they were called the Servant Generals. It was with Lord Scotch and Cool Papa Shaw. And this was in 87, or 86. Now, in 87, Pete Nice ended up going to Columbia University. He was going to college. And he had gotten a job where he was on a radio station. He hosted the radio station called the We Can Do This Radio Station with DJ Clark Kent, right? Now, DJ Clark Kent is a renowned DJ, um, huge in in hip-hop, like, as one of the old-school DJs. Now, this is where Daddy Rich comes in. So, DJ Daddy Rich would occasionally fill in for DJ Clark Kent. If Clark Kent couldn't do the DJing that day for the show, and by the way, the show was on Tuesdays, 12.30 a.m. to 1.30 a.m. because, you know, heaven forbid you you play hip-hop during the day. It had to be at night back in the 80s. And um, it was considered one of the first radio shows dedicated solely to hip-hop, so I always thought that was pretty cool. But anyway, that's where DJ Daddy Rich, a.k.a. DJ Richie Rich, came into play as he would fill in for Clark Kent sometimes. And throughout the 80s, uh, Pete Nice also would go to hip-hop clubs, including the Latin Quarters. And this is where, through Lord Scotch, because Lord Scotch was also good friends with MC Search. And this is where they were introduced to each other. But again, 
it was just, you know, basically, hey, this is Pete Nice, he raps too. Hey, this is MC Search, he's a battle rapper. Hey, nice to meet you. It was nothing more than that. They had a mutual respect for each other, and they had, you know, kind of the same friend group, but they never really hung out. So, they knew of each other, but the group was definitely not a thing yet. Now, during this radio station, DJ Daddy Rich and Pete Nice obviously started to get pretty tight. So let's move real quick then to DJ Daddy Rich before we get into how the group came together. So DJ Daddy Rich, he was born in Jamaica. He moved here as a kid with his family and grew up also in Brooklyn. Now, DJ Daddy Rich had met DJ Clark Kent and he was part of the Superman DJ crew. And it had uh, such DJs as DJ Scratch, which was the DJ for EPMD. Obviously, Clark Kent, a guy named DJ Miz and DJ Supreme. Supreme was also very well known throughout hip-hop and definitely in the New York scene. And um, yeah, this is basically how he was able to hone in his skills because a young Daddy Rich was around these amazing DJs at the time. And, I mean, how couldn't you learn things from these amazing DJs that you eventually honed in your skills? And that's what made Daddy Rich such a good DJ. I mean, he is considered one of the best. Whether you know of him or not, DJ Daddy Rich is ill. You go listen to those third base albums, and you hear him cutting, and the boy's nice. I mean, he's nice with it, all right? So... That brings me back to the group now, right? So, obviously, they were all... They all knew each other in one way or another, right? And eventually, what had happened was... is Search, through Sam Sever, um, had gotten um, a deal. Well, not necessarily a deal, but he was meeting with Rush Management. Uh, A&R Leor Cohen, who is very much known through uh, Def Jam. Um, He was obviously still new at the time, but he liked Search, and so he had been putting a lot of money into Search to get his uh, demo made so that they could shop it around and try to get him a deal, right? So basically what had happened was um, Search had this meeting set up with... um, Rush, Rushtown management, he had it all ready to go. And it was just a matter of time before he get his, he'd got it, or he would get his demo done and then go meet with these guys and try to get a deal. That was the main, you know, main thing he was trying to do. So this is where things kind of get funny and how this group even came to be, right? So everyone was always telling Search, like, hey, man, this this guy Pete Nice is dope. And he's like, yeah, that that's cool, dude. You know, people would tell Pete Nice, like, yeah, man, Search, this guy's a great battle MC. And Pete was like, sounds great. Good to hear, you know? Anyway, he gets a call one time, MC Search does, from Sam Sever. And Sam's like, hey, I need you to come down to the studio. Uh, this guy Pete Nice, he had studio time scheduled and he got stood up so I was wondering if you could come down here and kind of help him you know do some recording 
and kind of help him out a little bit. Now, this is from Search in one of his interviews. He said that Sam kind of lied to him, and he said it's fine, but he said he lied to him. He said that apparently Sam Sever had told him, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Pete Nice is also um, signed to Rushtown Management, and he's your direct competition. So maybe we should think about trying to come together and, you know, instead of trying to battle each other or try to, you know, have to deal with this guy down the line. And, you know, Search is basically like, no, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm trying to get my solo career. I'm not worried about what the hell he's doing. That's awesome. I wish him the best, but I'm not forming a group. But he's like, I'll come down there anyway and help him out. So he comes down to the studio he meets Pete again. You know, they already know each other. Like Serge said, he's like, I've met this guy like a hundred times. Whatever. We know each other. What's up, Pete? What's up, Serge? You know, here we are. And um, basically, Serge said that Sam Sever kept being like, no, you re- you really need to hear this shit. This shit is hard. Like, you need to hear, you need to, you know, really listen to this guy's shit. So Serge is like, all right, well, you know, play what you have for me so far. And the first beat and the first song that they played that Pete Nice had that he wanted to continue to work on at the studio would be the song that would eventually become Words of Wisdom, which was on their first album, right? Now, Search said the minute he heard Pete Nice spit his first rhyme, hard as hard as Chinese arithmetic, you know, he said that something went off in his brain and he just immediately started writing lyrics. And he said, everything clicked in our head right there. He's like, we knocked out Words of Wisdom and then we knocked out another song, which would end up being Triple Stage Darkness. And right there on the spot, Search said, he, Search had said already too about his uh, solo demo that it was fine. And it sounded fine, but he said there was just something about it that was missing. And he couldn't figure it out, but he wasn't worried about it because all he was worried about was trying to get a deal. And he said it just clicked right there the minute that he heard the the minute he heard Pete Nice spit. He was like that right then and there I knew we had something. So they eventually were like, okay. We got this meeting with the A&Rs from Rushtown. We're going to go in as a group instead of just search now. So they all go into this uh, meeting, right? Sam Sever, MC Search, Pete Nice. And they basically go in there and Search said that it was supposed to be between him and another MC from Houston named Raheem. And so they're asking Search, they're like, okay... Why should we pick you over Raheem? Um, you know, this Raheem guy is pretty good. What separates you from him? And Serge says, he goes, first off, it's not just me anymore. Now there's a group. We're called Three the Hard Way. And that was the original name of their group, was through the or, uh, Three the Hard Way. And so it's kind of funny because clearly... The connections between Dante Ross and Sam Sever, it's like they knew they had something. They're like, this guy Pete's dope. This guy Search is dope. 
but I don't know how successful they're going to be on their own. But if we compare them together, we might have something. And thank God they had the vision um, between the two of them and Lord Scotch because they obviously were right. And then once they were together, it obviously clicked for Pete Nice and Search right there on the spot too. So they go into this meeting. They're like, yep, this is the group. Here's some songs. And Search says that he remembers the guy kind of muttering something. And he goes, well, I don't really get the group thing, but we'll be we'll be in touch. And so they're like, cool. They left the office and went right back to the studio because they're like, well, we're already here. We might as well just hit the studio and keep working on our demo now that we have a group. And so they're working on their demo and Search apparently got a call from Lior Cohen, the man that had been putting all this money into him to get, you know, his solo deal. And Search said that Lior just started going off on him, being like, you fucked up. You fucked this deal up. What are you thinking? You put this group together at the last second. You're a fucking idiot. Get the fuck out of the studio. You wasted my time. You wasted my money. I'm fucking done with you, you know. And Search was like, all right, well, I guess, you know, I guess I fucked this deal up. I guess I screwed myself, whatever. And he said he didn't really think much of it after that. But again, apparently, after consideration, Rushtown ended up liking what they heard. I don't know if they played demos or they listened or they had other people, but they liked what they heard. So even though Lior Cohen was so angry about what had happened, eventually the group got signed and third base became what they would eventually become as the group, only they were called Three the Hard Way. And originally, it was Sam Sever, MC Surge, Pete Nice. Now, this is where eventually, you know, Sam Sever was just a producer. Back then, every group needed a DJ. And that's when Pete Nice was like, well, I got my man down here that I work with at the radio station. He fills in for Clark Kent sometimes. You know, guy's nice. His name is DJ Daddy Rich. And that's how Daddy Rich eventually became the, the third member of the group. So the reason why Three the Hard Way didn't stick as the name for third base is they couldn't get the rights to the name. Now, it was... Uh, it was the name of a movie that Jim Kelly was in back in the 70s, and Universal Studios wouldn't let them have the rights to Three the Hard Way. So they were trying to come up with different names, and um, Search says that when they would be recording, Pete Nice used to just record, even if they'd be talking. He liked to, on the load, like record. So there's a skit on the Cactus album where they're going over their names to Russell Simmons. So they're like, Three the Hard Way wasn't going to work. They're like, so it was either going to be Three the Hard Way or Three Hard Dicks. And so, you know, they're like laughing, like, you know, Russell Simmons is like, yeah, Three Hard Dicks is good. It's, it, yeah, that's fine. And then they go, oh, we also have a third name that we can go with. It's called Third Base. Now, Pete Nice came up with this idea because Pete Nice is a baseball historian. He's very into baseball and was very much, uh, yeah, he loves baseball. So he had kind of come up with the name 
third base. And so even in the skit, when they're kicking the idea to Russell Simmons, Russell Simmons goes, yeah, yeah, three hard dicks is fine, but third base. Yeah, something about that name, third base. That That is just a, that's a sick name. And that's how it stuck right there. And that's how they became third base. Now, Serge says at first he liked the name, but he always got mad that people would say it wrong because they spelled it B-A-S-S. So they would either spell it the wrong way or not the way they um, had it. Or And he, he basically was like this because he had dealt with this with his own name. His name was MC Search. Before he was MC Search, he just went by Search, but he spelled it S-E-R-C-H. And in another interview, Search says it always bothered him when people would spell it wrong. And he used to write lyrics for Houdini. And so Houdini has a lyric where it says, say what you want, just spell my name right. And Search was like, when I wrote those lyrics for Houdini, that's what I was talking about. So he loved the name, but he said at the beginning, he always hated how people would get it wrong. Um, Anyway, and that's how the group came to be. Basically, kind of just by... I mean, fate, really. They were all pursuing their solo thing, right? And just through kind of connections, mutual friends between all of them, they formed this group, and that's how they proceeded on. And so, in 1988, they started to record their debut album, The Cactus Album, or The Cactus CD. And it ended up being released on November 10th, 1989. Now, here's the story. Their first single off this album was called Step Step Into the AM. That was their first single that they dropped off of this album. And here's where things get a little kind of fuzzy when it comes to what uh, Search says sometimes that not sure if it's real or if he's just kind of making shit up. I'm going to say it anyway because I think it's an interesting story. Um, so, Step Into the AM is a lyrical monster of a song, right? Both him and Pete rip this shit up. So, the story from Search is that he had originally wrote his, his verses or wrote Step Into the AM for Rock Kim. He said that he was asked to write a, write some lyrics for Rakim because Rakim had some, some writer's block. And now he says that when he kicked the idea to Eric B, basically Eric B was like, fuck this guy. Who the fuck does he think he is trying to write lyrics for the god Rakim? Absolutely not. And so they kept the song for themselves. Now here's why I say there's a description discrepancy with this Pete Nice says that's not true at all Rakim says that's not true at all that did not happen so this is kind of Search's word against other people's it's an interesting story but I mean in the end there's a lot of people saying that that's not true but Search tries to break it down like if you listen to the lyrics in the song I was writing it like I was trying to be in a Rakim state of mind, basically. And I mean, the lyrics are, they're, they're, I mean, they're dope. They're bonkers. They're out there. Like, 
if I was going to try to write something for Rakim, I probably would start with something like that too, you know? But whether that's true or not, who knows? I just figured I'd add it anyway. Search has said this multiple times in multiple interviews, so, you know, do your own research if you feel like watching some of those interviews just to kind of see what he says about it. But anyway, so they released three, or uh, I'm sorry, they released Step Into the AM. And then they also released a couple other songs. They had The Gas Face, right? Now, The Gas Face was by far probably the most uh, highest charting song on on the uh, album, by far. The Gas Face um, ended up being uh, number five on the rap singles on the hip-hop chart. Um, And the video had tons of people in it they had Flava Flav in it uh Salt and Peppa Eric Sermon were in there Kid and Play made appearances in the music video and the gas face was uh it, it got very positive views and it's kind of what Step Into the AM was their first one but the gas face is what really drew attention to this album they also released Brooklyn Queens which was also another big hit for them and they also released Product of the Environment off this album. So, here's what's really cool about Third Base and the Cactus CD and the song, The Gas Face, right? The Gas Face features an a up-and-coming rapper at the time named Zev Love X, right? He goes third on the song. Now, here's the cool thing about Zev Love X. Some of you might not know who Zev Love X is but I think you do. Zev Love X would eventually become MF Doom. So let that sink in. Third Base is responsible for bringing MF Doom to the mainstream. This was the first song that he was ever on. Right here, The Gas Face, under the name Zev Love X with the group KMD. So there's a little kind of knowledge for you. When I talk about the influence that third base had that maybe people don't know mf doom has an incredible fall following i mean everyone loves mf doom and he has fans that are devoted to him rest in peace to mf doom but this is where it all started right here thanks to third base um and so that's pretty cool to me that they and that's just one MC that they helped out. We'll continue with their career as we go on. Um, anyway, with the Cactus CD, it was released November 10th, 1989. It was their debut album, and it received great ratings. People loved it. They were also, you know, thrown by or thrown back by the fact that it was two white boys rapping. In the video to Step Into the AM, it starts. With MC Search walking up, he has his hood up, so you can't tell that he's white yet, right? And he walks up, and some guy pulls his hood off, and etched into the back of his head is third base. He had it shaved in his head. Now, MC Search might be one of the only white boys I know that had a high-top fade. So they pull the hood back, and he turns around, and he goes, there's the other man. And then Pete Nice pops out of this little trailer, throws a chain down, and then the song starts. And they both just start going. So, I mean, that was like a shock to people. 
Because if you didn't know what they looked like, you would have just assumed, you know, these are some, you know, just some other rappers. These are some black guys. It turns out there were some white boys, and the white boys had a little soul in them, you know? And uh, anyway, most of this album was produced by Sam Sever. A couple tracks were produced by the Bomb Squad, which uh, were um, the pro- the producers for Public Enemy. And then Prince Paul produced uh, The Gas Face. So, you know, most of it was from Sam Sever, but Prince Paul did Brooklyn Queens and The Gas Face. Bomb Squad did Step Into the AM and Oval Office. Um, so, yeah. And also on this album, Third Base had kind of, I guess, inherited Def Jam's beef with the Beastie Boys, right? So Beastie Boys had had a lot of success with License to Ill. And after that album, they left Def Jam. And Def Jam was pissed about it. So as for beef, remember, Search is a Battle MC... Pete Nice, he never backed down either. So they had the lyrics, you know, on the song um, Sons of Third Base, where they say, Swarm to the lyrics because Search is your father. Screaming, hey, ladies, why bother? Obviously taking a shot at the Beastie Boys and their song, you know, hey, ladies. Um, but that wasn't the only uh, beef that they tackled on this album. They also went at MC Hammer hard. On this album, especially the gas face. So in the video for the gas face, they are taking shots at Hammer left and right. You know, even at the end, you know, Pete Nice says, Hammer, shut the fuck up, you know. And then MC Search goes, what do we think about Hammer? And then he gets the gas face, you know. And um, it was a funny video, but this is what kind of started this huge beef with MC Hammer. Uh, The Beastie Boys... They didn't really retaliate. They did a few years later on one of their albums, but by that time, you know, third base was almost, you know, broke up, and uh, they did take a shot because MC Search was always known for dancing, so they took a shot at him saying, you're dancing like Janet Jackson in the videos. And anyway, it never really became a huge beef, and obviously Search has stated that they squashed it many many years ago but uh they were kind of pressured by Def Jam to uh do it but Search also said he had beef with the Beastie Boys because he had tried to join the group and was turned down so anyway the reason why they decided to go after Hammer even though Hammer was getting dissed by a lot of MCs is Search says it goes way back for him he said that when Hammer was in town one time you know, again, Search is from Far Rockaway, Queens, you know. He's New York to the fullest. He saw Hammer. Search was a dancer. So Search, you know, challenged him to a dance-off. And, you know, Hammer was obviously like, who the fuck are you? Get the fuck out of here. Gets in his Cadillac and drives away. And Search always said that he's always been petty. So he never forgot that. And another reason was is that Hammer was dissing Run DMC and dissing New York in general and basically third base was like we ain't having that shit so they went at Hammer hard they also dissed him on the song The Cactus it was a nice play on words Hammer had an album called Turn This Mother Out their album was called The Cactus Pete Nice says The Cactus turned Hammer's mother out now here's the thing it's a play on words but The Cactus symbolizes 
their dick. That's what it's supposed to be. And Ice Cube's even said it in one of his lyrics from a song. He says, this girl's always hot for white boys cactus and black guys jimmies. Because, you know, they had the Jim Brownski from the Jungle Brothers, the cactus from the third base. And that's... So, Hammer took this as they were like, you know, we turned your mother out. Like, you know, we fucked your mom, basically. And Hammer's always been like, you can say what you want about me, but don't say shit about my mom. So... Um, but third base still search and nice Pete nice always say that it was just a play on words. It was basically them saying our album's better than yours. The cactus turned Hammer's mother out. Anyway, this album was certified gold. It was extremely successful and, uh, a, a great jumping point for third base. Now, a year later, they released the cactus revisited this was basically just some remixes of their songs and some extended plays, right? So it only had seven songs on it. There was the Gas Face remix, the Cactus remix, Words of Wisdom remix. The only actual song on here that wasn't a remix was Three Strikes to 5,000. There's a Brooklyn Queens remix, Product of the Environment, and Step Into the AM, all remixed. Now, I will just state right now that the product of the environment remixed by Marley Mall is possibly one of their best songs ever uh, honestly one of their best songs ever um, and not only is the beat better their lyrics are better and I just wanted to state that um, this really didn't like sell great obviously it was just kind of an album of remix music and it was kind of just put there to keep people interested for their next album, kind of like a bridge the gap type thing. So in between the Cactus and their next album was the Cactus Revisited. And, you know, they didn't really have any singles besides product product of the environment. They had a music video for it. Um, other than that, you know, this didn't go gold. It didn't sell the greatest, but it wasn't really an album to begin with. So it was kind of just like, you know, an, an EP almost. Um, and most of the remixing was done by Prince Paul. You know, Sam Severs still had his hands on everything. And Third Base did their own stuff as well. And anyway, that's kind of their middle little album that leads into... Their next album, Derelicts to Dialect. This ended up being their second studio album. It also ended up being their last studio album, okay? So this was released in June 14th, 1991, right? Um, Def Jam still. And this had their biggest song ever on this one. So on this album, they were still all about beef, but they had kind of dropped... They weren't dissing Hammer, and they kind of they weren't dissing um, Beastie Boys anymore. Instead, on this album, they decided to go solely after Vanilla Ice. Now, there was a big backlash against Vanilla Ice in '91, um, and it's been stated by Ice T, Ice Cube, other people. They were like, there was nobody better than Third Base to take this on because they're like in order you know it was too easy for the rest of us to just diss vanilla ice this way it was two white boys dissing vanilla ice basically saying 
Your Shit's Not Real. And our, their first uh, single from the album, Pop Goes the Weasel, which is their highest charting song ever. That is their number one song they've ever released. And um, that's almost mostly what they're known for. Uh, yeah, it, it ended up being uh, a number one hit. So that shows how big it was. It was a huge, huge song. Um, they, they sampled Sledgehammer and that's, you know, again, it's a good song and that's what got this album going. They also released another one or another song, um, the portrait of an artist as a hood. They had a video for that too, but pop goes the weasel still to this day. If if anybody does know third base, they probably only know them for that song. I mean, back in the day, I remember watching a VH1 special and they had third base as one hit wonders saying pop goes the weasel was their only hit. Not true. The gas face was definitely their first hit, you know, and pop goes the weasel was a mega hit basically. And it's funny because search has always said uh, it shouldn't have been because what we were talking about in this album and what we were talking about on that song was not a mainstream song. I mean, they were going at Vanilla Ice hard. They had a music video for it, you know. They had uh, the um, punk rock legend Henry Rollins dressed up as Vanilla Ice as they all started beating the hell out of him in the video. And uh, the only other people they dissed on this album is they did diss X-Clan on the song Herbals in Your Mouth. And that's only because X-Clan had dissed them, which is kind of funny because remember, Professor X was Prime Minister Pete Nice's uh, manager. So, uh, you know, basically there must have been a falling out. I don't know. I just know X-Clan was extremely pro-black and they definitely did not like that there were some white boys rapping. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. Anyway, this album was definitely much different than their first album. Um, They had sharpened their skills lyrically. They had stepped up their production. Uh, I think Derelicts, the dialect, is definitely 100% a much better album than the Cactus CD, even though the Cactus album is, you know, considered uh, a staple in hip-hop, a classic. And it's funny because Search says that between him, Daddy Rich, and Pete Nice, they never made any money off the Cactus album because of all the royalties that they had from the sampling. And... So most of their money came from this album, which is funny because this one also went gold and Pop Go the, Goes the Weasel was their biggest, you know, chart selling or, you know, highest charting song. So anyway, yeah, that was that's Derelicts the Dialect. That was their second album. And from what I've seen in interviews, basically this album came out and they were touring around. But Search was like, the group was pretty much over by the time this album came out. So the album was out, but basically the group had started to diminish. And, you know, the last song they ever ended up having was a song called The Gladiator in the 1992 film Gladiator. Um, After that... uh, Basically, 
because of creative differences. Search and Pete Nice have both said in interviews that they were on together and separately that they were just they wanted to go separate routes basically search wanted to you know remember search originally wanted to be a solo mc so did pete so it's kind of like they had this success with third base they did what they had to do and then they split up and went their own way and in 92 uh mc search released his solo album called product of the environment unfortunately the album just did not do very good but what it did do is that Search had heard a song from a group called Main Source, and the song was called Live at the Barbecue, and what he heard was a 17-year-old kid that went by the name of Nasty Nas, and Search was like, this fucking kid is dope. So, Nas is like second verse or whatever to the world was on MC Search's solo album Product of the Environment on the song Back to the Grill Again. And remember how I said that uh, Third Base had basically brought MF Doom to the world and gave him his start and, you know, started what would become a legendary MC? Well, guess what? MC Search was pivotable in securing Nas a record deal. Yes, I'm talking about the Nas, the basically greatest MC of all time. The man that's had, I mean, platinum upon platinum selling albums. The man that released the greatest hip-hop album of all time. Yeah, yeah, Search helped him get that deal to get Illmatic going. Searchlight Publishing, you know what I'm saying? Not only did MC Search help Nas secure his record deal now again would Nas have probably got a record deal eventually sure he would have but search knew what he had heard and what he saw and he was like i i gotta if i search always said if i can have a role in helping what's gonna be the great he he search said from the beginning he knew that Nas was gonna go down as the greatest mc of all time and he was like if i can even have my name any what you know, involved with that, he's like, I've done everything I need to do in my career. But not only did he help Nas, he also heard an MC named OC, who had rapped on a song called Fudge Pudge with Organized Confusion, right? And he also helped OC create his first album, Word Life, um, go look up Word Life. It's also considered one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. So, look at what Third Base has done so far. They've brought MF Doom to the world. They've brought Nas to the mainstream, or at least helped. And they've also helped bring OC to the mainstream. Now, again, would OC have probably gotten a record deal? Eventually, sure he would have. He was down with DITC. He was down with Organized Confusion. But... Search had that eye for talent, and he saw it right away. Anyway, um, that was Search's only album, Return of the Product. A year later in 1993, Prime Minister Pete Nice and Daddy Rich released a solo album called Dust to Dust. This album also did not sell very well. They never, they never duplicated the success that they had as a group. And, I mean... 
you go listen to their solo albums and they're good, but the whole time you're thinking, man, I really wish this was, you know, a third bass album. There's just something about the two of them together. Whether they always got along or not, they just had a chemistry when it came to rapping. Um, obviously, Daddy Rich stuck with uh, Pete Nice because they were friends long before the group had ever gotten formed. So they released their album. But Pete Nice also had a hand in helping artists out too. So uh, Beat Nuts did a lot of the production for uh, Dust to Dust and Prime Minister Pete Nice and Daddy Rich. Um, they said that there was no bad blood between Search and Pete Nice, but you go uh, watch the music video for Kick the Bobo from Pete Nice and there is a fat guy with glasses dancing around the whole music video and it looks very very similar to MC Surge so take that as you may they never ever um, shot lyrics at each other but that was the only thing I ever saw that could have been a beef I don't know never really went further than that at the time um, again that was th that was their only album too so after third base Search released an album, Pete Nice and Daddy Rich released an album, and that was pretty much it. But what Pete Nice did do is he brought an MC by the name of Curious George to the to the mainstream. Now again, Curious, he's not he never ended up being as big as Nas or OC. Um, but what Curious did drop was one of the most classic hip-hop albums of all time from the 90s, A Constipated Monkey. Ridiculous album title. But the, uh, Pete Nice was all over that as an executive producer, helped secure him to his record label. And um, so, you know, you run down the line again. You know, we're talking MF Doom. We're talking Nas. We're talking OC. We're talking Curious. You know, all these guys... You look at the albums, Constipated Monkey, Illmatic, Word Life, all three of those albums are considered hip-hop classics. Illmatic's considered the greatest hip-hop album of all time. So there's that. You know, Word Life is definitely considered one of the most classic hip-hop albums. And Curious's album, Constipated Monkey, is like a cult classic. You know what I'm saying? And especially with the Puerto Rican... Um, people because curious was puerto rican so i mean it had the like such a following in the puerto rican community and around the world and in new york that you know third base's footprint was definitely left on the on, in hip-hop 100 you know as the decade of the 90s went on um they did have a little reunion in 98 they did Woodstock um, they didn't really they recorded a couple songs never released an album eventually Search uh, released like a compilation album called Many Young Lives Ago and some of these songs that they had uh, made around 98-99 was on that that was the last time they ever got together to make any songs um, they did have a couple reunion tours, you know, in the 2008, you know, 2000 or, or 2010s. Um, and they had, you know, all three of them re reunited in 09 on Sway in the morning. And 
you know, they were cool. They had definitely, uh, other than that, you know, Pete Nice had retired from hip hop and had opened up a, uh, a baseball memorabilia store in Cooperstown because, again, baseball was his passion. Search always used to say that wherever they went on tour, whatever city they were in, Pete Nice would hit up baseball card shops and just buy all sorts of, you know, just baseball memorabilia. So everything that Pete Nice had bought during their time of third base, he basically eventually opened up a store and uh, Pete Nice uh, also had a book, you know, about baseball. He was very into the history of the Negro League and everything else uh, baseball oriented and that's pretty much where he focused all of his attention uh, post third base. Search is always, he was always still involved in hip hop. He was uh, also influential in a group called Nonfiction that had come out. He hosted a radio show in Detroit for many years. Um, he now has a podcast, uh, Search does. Um, and I listen to that quite frequently because Search has stories for days and he's a very good host and a very good talker. Um, kind of a blemish on uh mc search's career he did uh host a show called the white rapper show on mtv in the early 2000s that was absolutely horrible um but other than that uh the group you know never really did anything again and unfortunately though they probably never will because as of a few years ago um search was telling that story about how he had wrote those lyrics for rock kim and on Lord Sears' show, he had Rakim on and asked Rakim about it. And Rakim was like, you know, Search is my boy and everything, but I'd knock him the fuck out for saying that he ever wrote lyrics for me. Come on, baby pa, I don't need nobody to write lyrics for me. Um, this pissed Search off. He eventually called into the Lord Sears, uh, Lord Sears show and basically was like, you know, what the fuck, dude? You took my words out of context. You know, I didn't do it like I was asked to do it. It was, you know, from Lior and whatever not. And during this, during this call, Pete Nice called in and basically was like, you're a liar. We wrote that song. It was never for Rakim. I mean, it got so bad. You can go look it up. Pete Nice and Search. They are literally screaming at each other on the phone. I mean, Pete is calling Search the Trump of hip hop and fucking Search is calling him a fucking, you know, when Search, Search has a temper, so he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you and this and that and whatever. And yeah, so that's where third base is at as of right now. Uh, DJ Daddy Rich, after the group, um, he had a part in Juice, the movie, that he uh, was the DJ in the DJ battle. Um other than that, you know, he did some production here and there and still does uh, DJing here, you know, and still does his thing. But uh, other than the fact that third base will probably never get back together, I think it's very like, how can I put this again? The influence that they have on hip hop to look back and see third base and see, you know, these two white guys in a Jamaican uh, DJ, and they only had two albums, you know, and 
two solo albums between them both. But again, the imprint that they had on hip-hop cannot be denied. You know, the influence that they've had on hip-hop cannot be denied. Like I said, Third Base has influenced, you know, Eminem. Not only Eminem, but uh, African-American rappers on top of it. Third Base was a humongous influence for me. I'm telling you right now, I bumped Derelicts to Dialect till that CD literally didn't work anymore because I felt the same way. Up until that time, the only, you know, again, I'm younger, the only white MC that was taken seriously was Eminem. So to look back at a time when really no white MCs were taken seriously, to see third bass kicking these lyrics, kicking the way they flow, the rhyme, everything, you know, seeing Search with a high top fade, seeing Prime Minister Pete Nyson in an Armani suit, smoking on a cigar, looking like a fucking pimp, like, you know, and they were taken seriously, they were respected in the hip-hop community. Um, Third Base, to me, is a legendary group and definitely should not be forgotten. Um, Look at all the things they did, you know. For a short time that they were a group, they had two gold-selling albums. They brought, arguably, the greatest MC of all time and helped get him started. Search did, you know. And, I mean, MF Doom is underground is basically the underground equivalent of Nas. I mean, people that are into really underground hip hop, MF Doom, man. You know, little do they know, Zev Love X from the group KMD with his brother Sub Rock and, you know, Onyx the Birthstone Kid, KMD, they got their start from third base. MF Doom's first, you know, recorded uh or first mainstream recording verse was on third base is the gas face i mean that can't be overlooked um they deserve their flowers uh i was listening to Nas's newest album today king's disease three he literally shouts search out on a song he says i just want to say peace to search How, you know basically saying i hope that you're eating well off of the publishing deal basically saying like in my career I've tried to give back to those that helped me so Nas has always given MC Search his flowers you know MF Doom has always given Pete Nice and Search their flowers because when the group broke up you know KMD they stuck with Pete Nice you know and that's just you know the kind of the way it went Pete Nice had Curious he had KMD Search went off the other way he had Nas, he had OC, you know, and um, in all, that is third base. Uh, two white boys from New York and a Jamaican DJ from New York, they were dope, man. And I can't wait to do an album review on either one of their albums, Derelicts the Dialect or the Cactus CD, because there's some hard-hitting fucking albums. There's a reason why they both went gold. Um, even their solo albums, though they didn't sell very good, my introduction to third base is I bought Prime Minister Pete Nice and Daddy Rich's album Dust to Dust from a local county fair back in the day. So that's how I first heard uh, Pete Nice, which eventually led me to third base, which eventually led me to, you know, Search's album. And anyway, that is third base, ladies and gentlemen. Not to be forgotten. Um, to be cemented in hip-hop forever for what they have done. One more time, MC Search, Prime Minister Pete Nice, DJ Daddy Rich. 
legends in this mind right here. Now, on that note, make sure you click subscribe, like, and follow on Facebook and Instagram at Bring the Noise Podcast. I am your boy, Straight the Clipper, and I'm Audi 5000. Piggity, piggity, peace. One, two, and three.